not evident to the natural mind or to the natural man. You cannot comprehend them because of intellect or education of this world. Because this is written in the realm of the Spirit. And Peter, God, Jesus said to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Everything that God has in store for us is hidden in mysteries. And the Bible says, the Bible says that in the book of Revelations, let me go there please for a few minutes. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, oh, let me hear, yeah. verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. There was a book, but it is sealed. There is a book, but it is sealed. There is a book about you. It is sealed. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? Who is there worthy to open the seals? And no man in heaven, watch this, no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody was found. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Hallelujah. There is only one person that is qualified to open the seals. And that's Jesus. God hath provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. But how do you acquire them? Through the knowledge. Hallelujah. And the Telugu Bible says, according to the experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just head knowledge. Unless you learn to walk with Him, you will not know how to access what God has for you. Because He's the only one that can open the seals. Are you with me, everybody? So when you're praying for something, it's not that God will, you know, there are some times when God will say, you step aside, I will take care. But most often he doesn't do that. Only in the case of Jehoshaphat did God say, step aside, I'm going to fight this battle. But whenever David cried out, he gave him a key for success. A key need not be just a metallic instrument. A key can be a set of letters and numbers. All of you know that. A key can be a scripture. A key can be a thought that God will give you. An understanding, an enlightenment, a, a, a revelation of something that applies to you. When the key is given, it comes like a rhema. The rhema for that situation is your key. So when you're praying to God, you have to pray sincerely. That's why prayer is not just reciting some words. 
Prayer is communion where you're waiting on God to speak and let you know and so that He can open the seal and reveal something that was always there, but you could never see it. Abraham was bringing the knife down upon his son. And the angel of the Lord said, stop it. He held his hand. He said, look the other side. The ram was already there. But unless the seal was taken away, he could not see the ram. It is in prayer that you discover the secrets. Prayer is not just begging and asking God for things in life. Prayer is for communion. Prayer is for relationship. Prayer is for intimacy. Prayer is to know the heartbeat of God. Prayer is to cooperate with God and to flow with the Lord. To get to know Him. So many times, 80 to 90% of our time in prayer is asking for things. That's why our, our lives, our prayer lives and our Christian lives are so weak. And we fall apart. But we think we're praying. Some people boast, we pray for five hours, six hours, eight hours. Okay, you pray for eight hours. What did you pray for the eight hours? Probably seven hours is only asking for things. And keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking the same thing. And it's all centered around you. My daughter's marriage, my son's marriage, my son's education, my son's visa, my this, my that. All the prayer is only my, 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 me. That's why you're so weak. You don't know your God. You only look at God as a supermarket to go and get your supplies. And once your supplies are met, you just walk out. Do you need to have a relationship with Ratnadeep to go and buy something? So do you treat Jesus and God as Ratnadeep? You don't want relationship. You just want the things. That's why you're so weak. And my, I'm going to get into my preaching. I've been, I've been working on this. Matthew chapter 6, you know, uh, verse 31 to 33, going after the things of the world. What is, what is the message that God has for us? See, I'm, I'm so convinced that God is really, you know, burdening me to turn this into a house of prayer. And we're doing our best. Every morning, every time we come in the office, we spend at least an hour every morning. We never used to do so much. And I've been reminding people, nights are not just for sleep. And when I say that, I'm practicing what I'm telling you. I said, I'm practicing what I'm telling you. I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do. You can ask my family. When he becomes precious to you, when he becomes the center of your attraction, your life will change. Your life will be transformed. It's not the things. It's Him. I really want you to get the hold of this. And I'm not sharing all this to boast about anything. I want all of us to become like that. People who seek Him for who He is. And His love for us. Sometimes we become, we become so possessed with what we want that all the time we only think about that. I have to go to Dubai. That's it. 
And every time you talk, you open your mouth, Dubai. Every time you talk to somebody, your employment. Every time you talk about, and you're already dreaming, what kind of apartment, what kind of house you will live in, what kind of car you want to drive. All the time, it's only, the, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, hallelujah. Lord, but give me a placement in Dubai. You think God can't read your heart? If you're trying to con Him, if you're just trying to use those praise words to, you know, to just uh, pump Him up like you could. No. Friend, you got to be careful. What is God's destiny for me? Is Dubai really in, your pl in God's plan for you? It may be Germany. Who knows? Who knows? But let me tell you, your, listen, listen, listen. Your placement of prosperity is not in a geographical location, but it is in the voice of God. He said, it will turn the wilderness into a fruitful vine and a vine into a forest. He never said, I'm going to put you in a prosperous place. He said, the place I put you in will become prosperous because of you. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I will turn the wilderness into a fruitful vine. But we are so sad, we are so depressed, we are so discouraged because we look at the wilderness. But it was in the wilderness that they found out. It was in the wilderness they discovered the ability of God for His provision. That in the midst of the wilderness and in the desert where there was not a drop of water, God produced water out of a rock and that flowed like a river. Praise God. Hallelujah. So church... Please listen to my heart. I want all of us to become people who pray to know Him. A hungry heart for God. Lord, what is my purpose in life? How do you want to use me? What should I be doing? What can I do to serve you? What can I do to please you? That should be the heart cry. Not God, give me that BMW. Hey, nothing wrong in expressing your desires. But let me tell you something. You know what lust is? Lust starts with desire. But when it crosses a line, it becomes an obsession. Now you cannot think of anything but that. And you will do it and do anything to compromise or get it by hook or by crook. That's lust. You can lust after something and not get it. But don't think just because you did not get it, you don't have lust. That's why Jesus said, if you look at a woman with the wrong eye, you've already committed the sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. What is iniquity? Iniquity is not sin. Iniquity is the disposition of your heart where sin is lurking. That's why the Bible says, when iniquity was found in Lucifer, he had probably not yet committed, but God with his all-seeing eye could see iniquity in the heart of Lucifer. It was found. We often look at a sin that is committed and we say, you have sinned. But God looks at the heart. That's why your heart and your motivation of anything and everything you do is very important in the eyes of God. 
Everything revolves around your heart. Somebody say amen. So iniquity is something that, is, that begins before you actually commit the sin. That's why Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation, Lord, but deliver me from evil. It is the heart condition. Well, bless the Lord. Let's go to what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 6, please. And I'm reading again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? God is saying, don't be worried about the basic necessities of life and the luxuries of life. That should not be the focus of any child of God. He's not saying be negligent. He's saying don't be worried about them. Don't be too careful that your, your, the entire, your entire being is consumed with how can I do it? How shall I produce it? What can I do? And it's causing stress. To the point where you are stressed. I don't know how to feed my children. I don't know how to pay this bill. I don't. And it's become so stressful that that stress is causing sickness in your body. He says, don't do this. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the who? Gentiles seek. Now, you have to, be, you have to understand this. Gentiles seek after these things. That means what? They pursue after these things. That means what? Their time and their energy is consumed by them. You know, the devil is after the most precious commodity in life. What is the most precious commodity in life? Time. If he can stress you out, and make you only think of survival, he does not give you the chance to think about God. You do not have the opportunity. Why do so many people come to church, beg for prayer, sow seed for a job, and once they get the job, they forget church. They forget God. They don't have time for prayer. They don't have what? Time. Say that again. Time. What is the devil after? Not your money. It's after your time. What you give time to is what will produce in your life. If you sow to spiritual, towards spiritual things, it produces life. But if you sow to the flesh, you will reap what? Death. But both of them need time. Pers you know, the Gentiles seek, and for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But then he says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Wait a minute. Number one, he said Gentiles seek after this means, that means people who are disconnected from God, do not have a covenant relationship with God, are the people that worry and are stressed out for the needs and luxuries of life. 
Because they don't know how to apply the covenant. They don't know how to rely on the covenant. They don't know how to communicate with God. They don't know how to rely and, and trust in the promises and the covenant that God has made. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 10 to, 10 to 12 that we were a people without covenant. We were outside the covenants. And, but through the blood of Jesus we've been brought nigh unto him. Hallelujah. Now that you're born again, that should not be the focus of your life. But he says, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Wait a minute. Look at this. He says, take no thought about what you want to eat, what you want to wear, and where, where, you know, how, what shall we wear, all that. All those things are tangible. Correct? But now Jesus says, seek what? It's intangible. That's the problem. That is a problem. Because people are not able to identify what the kingdom of God is. All these things that the Gentiles are seeking, which Jesus says, are all related to the sense realm where you can comprehend, you know what you're looking for, you know where to find it, so you go after it. But when he says, seek the kingdom, you don't know where the kingdom is. He said, where is the kingdom? It's within you. Where within me? I don't know. That's the response, right? So when it says, seek the kingdom, it's a very vague idea. It is, your mind is not able to wrap around that thought. Or that idea, or that ideology. It's impossible for, it, for the natural. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. You cannot even have a comprehension of what the kingdom of God is. So how do you understand when he says, seek the kingdom? You don't have an idea about what the kingdom is. You think kingdom means going to church. You think kingdom means sowing my seed. You think kingdom means just worshiping God. What is the kingdom? All that we have need of has been laid up. Where? In the kingdom. But it's intangible. Please understand something. All that man is looking for is in the realm of the natural, which is, which is accessible to the natural man. But what God is talking about is something beyond the natural realm. The kingdom of God is in the spiritual realm. Therefore, your natural man does not comprehend it. So when your spirit man is dead, you have no idea what Jesus is talking about. So the first step to seeking the kingdom is you must be born again. You cannot understand, you cannot comprehend. How can you seek for something you don't know what you're seeking You know, if I'm looking around in the house and I'm trying to pull the drawers and lift the carpet and search through, the, you know, the lounge suite or set or something, and people say, you know, somebody in the house says, what are you looking for? Kingdom of God. They think you're crazy, right? Now, you don't search sofas and don't, don't just search under the carpet for those things. You say, I'm searching for a key that I lost. It's tangible. It's something you can understand. Your, your mind can wrap around that thought. But when he says seek the kingdom, what does he mean by that? What is the idea of seeking? The thing is that you have to understand the implication of seeking here is to know him. What is Jesus talking about when he says to seek, seek the kingdom? He's, he's talking about knowing him and his purpose for your life to serve and to serve him as a priority. 
Seek the kingdom and his righteousness when? In your free time? Only two or three people in this church know. It's shameful on me that you don't know. I'm not a good preacher then. Oh, well, good. Praise God so fast. <laughs> You're too quick, man, for me. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? Priority. 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 Not trying to seek God when you're falling asleep. Trying to pray when you can't wake up. Trying to read the Bible and, and read one verse and go to sleep. That's not seeking. This seeking, when he talks about seeking it as a priority, is talking about desperation. Seeking with a desperation. If I can't find it, I'm lost. That's the idea behind it. If I can't find it, I cannot break through my barriers. If I can't find it, I cannot receive my healing. I cannot experience the blessings that God is talking about in His Word if I can't find the kingdom. So he says, the implication of seek here is to know him, his purpose for your life, and to serve him as a priority. Now, seek. To seek something earnestly, look for it with, you have to look for it with expectation of finding it. Unfortunately, people seek everything else before they seek God. But Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says this. Please note this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That means this seeking is not a religious seeking. It is not timing yourself. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. I'm going to read three chapters. It's a good start. But it's not the end. It brings, breeds discipline, but it's not fulfilled. It helps you to get started. But the ultimate goal is, I got to know Him. I made a statement. If you have not written it before, you must. The success of your prayer is not measured by time. It's measured by results. It's not how long and how often you fast and pray. Show me the results. They never came to Jesus because they were impressed that he spent all night in prayer. They saw the results produced and they said, teach us to pray. People should ask us, what is the secret of your success? And you should be able to say, my prayer. And that's when they'll say, teach us to pray. What good is it if I don't eat for 40 days? And say, I'm fasting and praying, and after 40 days, all I've got done is only lost a kilo of weight. There are better programs to lose weight than fasting prayers. That's why after 40 days, nobody is coming to you and asking us, teach us to pray. You with me? Check the heart. Check your heart. When you say, I'm seeking God, how much and how are you seeking Him? What is involved in your seeking? Let me carry on. I have something else to share with you. 
Seek Him with all your heart. That means to pursue something and keep on pursuing it without stopping. Seek, I, 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 I wrote this to make us understand better. I wrote this. To seek implies to search. Is that right? Is that right? So what is the word search? Search means to look at, see, when we talk about seeking and searching, we think about only going after things which are lost. God is not lost. His kingdom is not lost. He's not asking us to look for something that is lost, okay? So let's get out of the idea that when he says seek the kingdom, he's not trying to convey the message that the kingdom is lost, so go look for it. No. Seeking also means searching. And what is searching? Searching is to look or examine carefully in order to find something concealed. Are you with me? Look at or examine carefully in order to find something concealed. To explore or examine in order to discover. Hallelujah. This is giving you a better understanding. For we are seeking to discover. We are seeking to find something that is already concealed. The kingdom of God is concealed. So we are now searching it so that we can understand, we can, we can receive a revelation of what that is. Now, out of the word search, we also have the word research. Correct? Now, if one of you was asked to give a speech on the independence of our country, what would you, the next step be for you? Research. Is that right? Because you know a little bit, you know when we got independence, we know the key players in independence, but we don't know anything so much that we can actually impress somebody with the knowledge of that subject, on, on that subject. So what do we do? We do research. So, but most Christians think they know everything about God, everything about the kingdom of God, everything about the Bible. So they don't have any time to do any research. There is the heart for discovery is missing. The desire to discover is missing. The desire to, to, and, and to understand that the mysteries are concealed and unless we go on a search, we cannot unravel it and cannot access it. So when he's talking about seeking, that's what he means. The kingdom of God is real. The kingdom of God is real. It's more real than the world that we now see. Are you with me today? But how do I access it? It's concealed. That's why I must be born again. And he says, if you're not born again with, in water and by spirit, you can't enter into the kingdom. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is a way of looking at it. You can see it, but you can't enter it. Moses saw the promised land, but he never entered the promised land. Talk to me, somebody. It's not enough just to see the kingdom. You need to possess the kingdom. Seek ye first. So every Christian's pursuit, every child of God's major pursuit is, should be to discover the kingdom, to discover the secrets that are concealed, the mysteries that are concealed, that we may have a revelation and be able to step into, not only see it from afar, but experience it and enjoy the blessing that God has for us. He says, when you seek these things, when you seek what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be no, attracted and added. People go after money. People go after success. People go after reputation. Their focus becomes on things that they, they can, their mind can capture. 
But God is saying, no, leave that aside. That's my job. You seek me and develop your value in me and you'll attract them. Your level of success is determined by what you attract to yourself, not go after. Your level of success is determined by what you attract to yourself. Success is not a station. It's progressive. There were days in this church, or years in this church, when somebody gave 10,000, it was a huge amount. I'm just giving an example, okay? Please don't misunderstand. But then came a time as we were growing and the word began to take prominence and we began to teach what happened. The value of the word and the, and the, and the insight the people were receiving began to grow and their experiential level began to increase and was coming from the altar. We were teaching that word. Then came a day when one lakh was a big amount. When somebody gave, one person gave one lakh, it was a big amount. Today, one lakh is nothing here. It's nothing in this church. It's not even something we think about. What's happening? Are we going around begging people to give one lakh? We are attracting something. There is something that God is doing that's attracting people and not through begging or, be, beg, or requesting to donate. It's God moving upon them and they coming and saying, we want to give. I hope you're understanding. So success is not something you go after. You go after God and the revelation that God has. And in the process, you're developing your inner man. You're developing your knowledge in the subject or in the, in the area of your calling. And as you increase in that value, you attract. When you start, for example, you start as, let's say, a, um, you know, a, a preacher. You start, and you start preaching. You, what do you do? You get about 20 people. Well, at that level. But as you grow in God, as you grow in your ability, you grow in, you grow in your skill, and you grow in the anointing, you now start attracting 100 people. Now, don't complain. I should not complain about the size of this church not growing, because if the church is not growing, that means I'm not adding value into my life. I will attract the people. It's not through marketing. God said in his word, fame went abroad. Jesus did not employ a marketing agency to market his brand to the world so people will come listen to him. But the Holy Ghost took up the job. The angels went around and his fame went abroad and he began to manifest and he began to preach and people were gathering in large numbers to the degree that after the meeting and he said, I'm going home, they still followed him. He attracted, he didn't go after people. I'm talking about your business as well. I'm talking about your own, own personal life. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, and all these things shall be attracted to you and then shall be added to you. Don't sit in a corner and cry that you don't have money, and you will only have money if you somehow migrate to Switzerland. No. Even if you stepped into Switzerland, you will repel those that want to give you because you have not grown. 
That's why there are people that have gone from this country and are begging in America. They don't have a job. Many of them will, will send pictures back home posing in a at the, uh, standing at the neighbor's car and a neighbor's house. Living a fake life. And if you really go and look at them, they're working in odd hours in a petrol gas station. They thought they will attract, the, you know, money will come to them freely. No, money should be attracted to you. Wealth should be attracted to you. Opportunities should be attracted to you. And these things will happen not when we go after them, but when we go after God and let Him make us and mold us. He said, Abraham, I will make you rich. Who, 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 who said that? I said, who said that? God said, I will, I will make. God is still in the process of making people. But how can he make us if we don't give ourselves to him? If you don't have the time to sit in His presence, pray, meditate, listen to the Word, and equip ourselves so that God can begin to transform our thinking and impact our heart and change everything from inside out. Everything starts from inside and moves outside. Say Amen. What is research? Research is diligent and systematic inquiry or investigation into a subject in order to discover or revise facts. We need to research the Bible to know God. Not to prove a point, but to know Him. There is so much revelation hidden as secrets in the Bible. When we began to understand and receive a revelation and understanding about the prosperity of God is when we began to prosper in our lives. Somebody say amen. It is when I began to understand and have a revelation of His healing power is when I was healed of asthma. It was always in the Word. Why doesn't God heal? No, no, no. That's a wrong question. God has already healed you. The problem is you don't have the key. In God's economy, this is how it works. Let's look at it as this. You have a house with 10 rooms. You have a room which is a kitchen. You have a room which is a lounge. You have a room which is your bedroom. You have a room where it's, a, say, a living room. And every room has a key. So if you have, you are, and let's say your bathroom has a key. I mean a lock. So if you have the keys to the bathroom, you can open it and go and use the bathroom. But can you open the kitchen? So you can go into the bathroom, have a shower, clean up, be nice, and you know, do, do make yourself up, and then starve because you don't have the key to the kitchen. How many understood what I said? You might have a key to the kitchen. You might eat well, but you don't have the key to the bedroom, so you can't rest. Everything is a mystery. That's why it's so important to come to church and receive the word that will open those locks as you receive the word. Church is not a place of entertainment. That's why you should never come to church without something to write on. Because in that message is a word or a, or a phrase or a, or a sentence or a verse that is the key to your success or the key that unlocks what you're looking for. 
Our culture has developed young people that walk to college as if they were going to a movie theater. No notebook, no pen, nothing. All they have is a phone, and they don't use the phone for, you know, for uh, taking notes. They, they use the phone to send WhatsApp messages from one bench to the next one. Their attention is not on the, on the lecture. Don't, they don't go there to learn because all they want is to pass an exam and get a job. That's why they're so incompetent. Education is not for getting a job. It's for getting knowledge. Knowledge will give you the strength that when you stand against and, the, and face the challenges of life, you know how to address them and overcome. Your mark sheet and your, and your certificate will not solve your problem. Just because you said you're a doctor in something or just because you have a three or four certificates hanging on the wall when you face a real problem, they're not going to solve it. But the knowledge you have received will solve it. So just because you come to church and attend church and just casually sit and sing a couple of songs and walk away, don't think God will automatically bless you. God is telling you very clearly, you need keys. You need keys. You need to learn the Word of God. You need to be empowered by the Word of God. You need to receive knowledge. You need to receive understanding. That's why Paul is praying, Lord, grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. If we don't need all that in this only prayer, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help, 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 help. We don't have to read the Bible. Somehow, religion has raised a, 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 you know, a, a people that think that all they need to do is cry to God or fast. Fasting is to buffet your body, not to impress God. Fasting is so that your flesh will not control your spirit man, but your spirit man will dominate the flesh. Fasting is not to impress God. And people are fasting, competing. One church says 40 days, the other church says 60 days, the other church says 100 days, and they're all clapping for one another saying, wow, they're 100-day fasting. So what? Show results. After 100 days of fasting, they have nothing to show for it except for one or two little healings. That guy was healed of little stomach problem. That guy was healed of headache. I could have done it without fasting. I want to know my God. That's why I fast. I want to fast a meal because if I eat, I might sleep. That's why I want to fast. Not to impress God. God is not impressed by my action. God is impressed by my heart. I had so much more to tell you, you know. I was thinking, oh, there is so much, man. But I've run out of time. But let me see what I can do. Okay. Let me finish this at least. It says, look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. The first thing that God requires of you is all of you. Period. Nothing left over. The price for all of God is all of you. The price for all of God is all of you. The price for life is death. Unless a corn fall to the ground and die, it cannot produce. 
My life has to die in Christ. My selfishness has to die in Christ. My self-centeredness has to die in Christ. My self-seeking has to die in Christ. That's when my resurrected life will now portray Jesus. And with Paul I can say, it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth through me. Seek ye what? First the kingdom of God. Love God how much? With everything you've got. All your heart. Hallelujah. The NLT reads like this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Sadly, most Christians seek the Lord for things. They don't seek Him for who He is. They don't seek Him, seek to know Him. What His plan is for their lives. And, to, and seek to please Him. What can I do to please my God? See, if I said, do you love God? I'm sure every one of you will say yes. And so, most of us are limited in our expression to God, expression of love toward God. So all we think is we've got to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. But love is expressed in more than one ways. And we'll talk about that next week. Serving is one of the ways you express your love to God. You know, I was thinking about it in our culture. I don't know now, but in my day, you know, and uh, when a man got married to his wife, and in, and, and in the early days, and the husband went out to work, and he said, I'm coming back for lunch at 1 o'clock, and he gets stuck. The wife has cooked a nice meal, and she's waiting for the husband to come. It's 1 o'clock. He hasn't shown up. It's 1.30. He calls and says, look, I'm tied up. I'm getting late. It may be another hour. It's 2.30, and he arrives home, and she's waiting. She hasn't eaten. Is it an obligation? Why did she not eat? Would he get angry? No. Just to say, I love you. She didn't say, I love you. She showed him, I love you. He said, you're too old-fashioned. You've got to change. I said, yeah. I didn't say anything. I didn't deny him. I said, maybe I am old-fashioned. But that's how I was raised. And I'm not saying I don't want to change. But I cannot forget. I cannot but reflect on all these things and say, how can I express? This is what you need to ask in prayer. Lord, how can I show my love to you? Is it only by going to church when the church service starts at 8.30? I arrive at 9 o'clock. Let's say another scenario. The husband walks in at 2.30. The husband, the wife has already eaten. Dirty plates are already there. Half cooked, half, not, not, you know, she's eaten more, almost everything. Just a little bit is left over. <laughs> has she done anything wrong? She's eaten. The only thing is she said, I don't care about you. Yeah, I got you something. What? Do you think this is enough? Don't talk. You've got enough there. Eat and be happy. That's how we talk to God. Be happy. At least I'm showing up in church for you on Sunday. Be happy that I'm giving something in the church. Where is that love? 
Why don't we understand what it means to seek the Lord, the kingdom of God and his righteousness first? Oh, I didn't see you. Last Sunday I missed you. Yes, pastor, what can I do? You know, it was a party. I had to attend. My office people called me for the party. Oh, really? Okay. Nothing. Have you sinned? No. But it exposes your heart. Your actions speak louder than your words. As I told you sometime back, we were in Nigeria one day, and it was Tuesday afternoon at 12 o'clock. We went to Paul, Dr. Paul Aninche's church. It was the old church at that time, and it was a huge church, but uh, it was an old one. I mean, the old, old premises, I should say. The place was packed out, not a square inch there, and the parking lots were overflowing. And I said to the guy uh, who was driving as another pastor, I said, is it a holiday today? He said, no, sir, it's not a holiday. So then how is it all these people are here? He said, they know they have an appointment with God. It just went through like a, it pierced like a spear in my heart. Look at that commitment. Why will God not answer the cry of such people? How will God answer us if you're too casual, cold? That's why he said, you are neither warm, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I got to spit you out. It's a hard word I'm preaching today. But my, my desire is not to hurt you. My desire is to inspire you for a change in you. That your heart, your, your longing in your heart will change and you will be a different person from this day forward. I want to show you what love is. But today we don't have time. I'm going to take you on this journey. How do I express my love? How do I seek God and His kingdom first? What can I do? The question, I want you to go home with this. What can I do to express my love to God. Can I fast one meal? Not to pray for myself, but to pray for the church. Church? Yes. Why is the church so important? Can I tell you something? You try to mess with, with my wife. I don't care what you think about me. You might have a very good impression about me. But you try to touch my wife or mess with her, you will see the other side of me. Wait a minute, what is the church? You haven't seen the other side of Jesus. So when I do something for the church, when somebody gives something to my wife, it makes my heart glad. When somebody compliments us, you're so, looking so beautiful today, it makes me glad. It makes her glad, but it makes me glad too, because I, I feel proud I married a beautiful wife. What do you think about Jesus? When I do something for the church, when I sacrifice to enhance the beauty of the church, to build the church, to serve the church, what do you think it's going to do to the heart of God? It's going to convey the message, I love you, God, with all my heart. I'm not just going to show up in church, I'm going to do something for the church. You're not planted in this house by accident. God has a plan and a purpose, and God has something for you to do in this house. Don't come and ask me, what, what is it, pastor? You know, God will show you. He's given you skills, he's given you talents, he's given you giftings, he's given you money, he's given you position, he's given you influence. Use all that for the glory of God. I was thinking about it. 
Sometimes there are some very busy business people. They don't have time. Time is very important for them. But they love to serve God. And they say, they feel, sometimes they feel guilty. I'm not able to do, I, I want to go and serve. I want to have my hands. No, you've been called to serve God, but also you've been called to make money. So what can I do? I'll give you a hint. You can say, Pastor, let me pay the salary of this particular person in the organization. Or let me take care of the current, uh, the power bills. What are you doing? The blessing that God has given you to increase you, you want to channel it for the blessing of the church. I'm giving you some thoughts this morning. I'm encouraging you. Whenever you're asking for increase, please bear in mind that your first thought should be the kingdom. There was a, there was a person in the church that was sharing this testimony. The person returned the tithe. And the person has little kids, little ones, very small. And after returning the tithe, there was some more money that came in. And as the person was opening the, the box where they want to put that money in, the little fellow held on to the hand and said, no, pray. Pray for increasing our tithe. This is not a young adult. This is a kid who is not even going to school or just beginning to go to school. He's telling the father, the mother, saying, Let, pray for increasing our tithe. Nobody can stop the blessing on that kid. Nobody can stop the blessing on that kid. I pray God will give you wisdom. Were you blessed today? Bow your heads, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Yes, Lord, we love you. Yes, Lord, we love you. But show us how we can express our love for you.